the United States of America government has declared that you have a God-given, unalienable right to pursue happiness. Good luck with that. The Department of Health and Human uh, Services has funded a panel of experts, uh, including a Nobel winner. And, and, and last December, they, to, they set out to try to define what they call reliable measures of subjective well-being. And if successful, they, these would be official statistics to know whether you have well-being or not. Basically, are you happy? So are you? Are you happy? You're supposed to be pursuing it, right? It's an unalienable right. You're guaranteed by, by the Declaration of Independence to do this. And it's God-given. There's a little t- tiny Himalayan country of, of Bhutan, which actually has, has established what they call their, their gross national happiness um, is, is a kind of a national goal. And they're creating a commission to achieve it. So how are you pursuing it? How are you supposed to pursue it? Now that what you find, and you know, you don't need me to tell you this, is that that whole thing, a happy thing, it is a fickle mistress. Uh, you, it, you, it comes and goes. It's completely temporary. It's very, very fleeting. So, so when we say, okay, let's do life under God, that's kind of what, why I'm here. Let's let's live life under God. What does He have to say? He doesn't talk about happiness. So He introduces this other concept, and He introduces this idea that you can have. He doesn't talk about happiness so much. He talks about this thing called joy. Well, it sounds more substantive. And you are given um, this... God kind of says that joy is attainable and joy is sustainable. Joy is something that you should pursue and that you can attain. Over 400 times in the Bible, 400 times it's described or it's presented as something that's a good thing to have, that that. Followers of God can experience this thing that's called joy. Just a handful of them are like this. And by the way, I'm going to be in the Psalms a lot today. If you want to keep up with me, it's going to be a track meet. I'm all over the place, but mostly in the book of Psalms, other places you can follow along. I'm going to show you a lot of this stuff. Psalm 1611. So you have made me, or you have made known to me, this is speaking to God, the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Psalm 126.3. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy, filled with it. Even we're going to come into Christmas season and when the the angels come to announce what's going to happen, do you remember what they said? Of course you do. They say, I bring you good news of great joy that'll be for all people. God says, yeah, you can have this thing. It's far better, far better than, than just happiness. You can have a state of yourself that you can be filled with it. You can have joy to the fullness. It comes from God. Now, I'm going to tell you something honest today. Sometimes when we, when we prepare what we're going to do series on, sometimes we do books of the Bible, sometimes we do topics. And there are times when we're trying to gauge, okay, where are our people? You know, what are we working through? What, is, what are we feeling? And we ask God to kind of give guidance. We map these things out. And almost never do I do what I did with this series. And I allow just kind of what I wrestle with personally to be the main driver of it. I need to tell you something. Full disclosure. Um. I decided, among other things, several things to do, to choose this one to do now, mostly because I think I need this. Because I don't get this. I find myself walking around, I've asked myself, 
why am I so joyless? I'm kind of angry most of the time. I'm, I'm frustrated all the time. If you ask me, am I experiencing joy? I, I go, um, I'm supposed to. God seems to say that I can have it. And I got the honest question is, I don't, why, why do I not? Or if I do, why am I not aware of it? What is it? So this is a personal unpacking for me as much as it is trying to help you. I am, the scripture is beating me up this week. I'm bleeding. I'm going to come and show you where all the scars. That's kind of how it's going to be. All right. I'll invite you on this journey with me and say, is there something we can learn? Is there something that can actually be affected in my life? Because I walk around not feeling a lot of joy. You know what I notice? I sigh a lot. I do. I just sigh I, for no apparent reason. I just walk around and just... It doesn't feel like it's joy. So what is it? How do we find it? What does God have to say about it? So we're going to kind of start by contrasting a little bit. And if you take the definition of happiness, this is what you'll see. Happiness is a feeling of pleasure, contentment, or satisfaction. You have been happy. Some of you are happy right now. Happiness has been defined that way. Now, some of the things that are true of it is that it tends to be, these are things, kind of the ways you identify it, that it's emotion-centered, it's circumstance-based, and it's mostly involuntary. We talk about things that make us happy, right? It just kind of come on us and, wow, woo, that made me happy. My team scored, oh, that made me happy. I didn't do it, I didn't choose it, it was involuntary, and this thing welled up within me. I, don't, I only know that in theory because my teams never have that experience, but I've heard that it's true. Now, like we said, when the Bible talks, it, the Bible talks about happiness. It ha- tends to describe it as something that's very, very fleeting and temporary, something that you don't choose too often. And, but the Bible also describes it as being enjoyable. So the, the Bible never says there's anything wrong with being happy. When, if you can be happy, be happy. Ecclesiastes says it over again. Hey, if you're happy, great. Hang on to that because it's not going to last, but glad you have it now. But what the Bible also it makes a very strong point about is that it, it tells us to never make happiness the goal, the motive behind doing something, because you can't control it, you can't maintain it. It's, it's a futile pursuit. It's like chasing wind, the Bible says, to try to find or make happiness happen. I hear this hap- say, said a lot, especially when people are going through marital problems and divorce things, and they say, well, you know, I think just doesn't God want me to be happy? Does he? No. He doesn't want you to be unhappy. He just never tells you that that's what his goal for you is. He's never told you to pursue it. Never told you that, that if you have it in moments, great. Enjoy it. But God never tells us he wants you to be happy. What he does tell you is he wants you to have joy. Okay, so how do you contrast these two? Here's, here's another working definition. Now, I'm going to give you a lot. There's a lot of definitions for joy. I'm going to give you one that kind of takes a combination of Scripture's description. It might sound a little odd at first. But I want you to really think through this with me for a few minutes. That joy is an internal celebration of something. And it's the celebration of the fact that there's an agenda of God that is advancing right now. When the agenda of God advances, and I celebrate that, 
The Bible seems to describe that happening as joy in a life. Now, we could take a lot more time on this, but I'll just give you these bullet points. The joy, in contrast to happiness, is soul-based. It's heart-centered. It's, ho- it's Holy, Holy Spirit-based, meaning it's produced by something else, not yourself or your circumstances. And it's mostly voluntary. You choose, you're going to hear this a lot in the next couple of weeks, you choose to enter into joy, as opposed to it just jumping on top of you. Now, there's some scripture that kind of describes that and here's again this is only just to give you snapshots but in galatians 5 22 the fruit of the holy spirit is given when the holy spirit is active and unbridled in a life he produces several things and it says the fruit of the spirit is love and the second thing that's mentioned is joy so the holy spirit is at work to produce this whatever it is within us in us in psalm 4 7 it says you have filled my heart with greater joy than when their when their grain and new wine abound. So it's there's a contrast there. There's circumstances, grain and new wine, that produce something. But but God, you do something in my heart. You fill my heart with this greater joy than that. It's always in the heart that's its source. Proverbs uh, fourteen ten says each heart is that is there's something that's true about it. It knows its own bitterness, and no one else can share its joy. That's where it resides. That's where it's sourced. The precepts of the Lord, Psalm nineteen eight says are right, and they give joy to the heart. So, there's, so th- these descriptions of what the Bible talks about, this, now again, I'm, this is going to sound like theory in classroom, but I'm hoping for me that it'll be, okay, but what do I do? How do I get this? How does it become true in my life? How do I de- identify this state that God says can be in my heart and maintain it there and pursue it there? Well, here's some of the, the, those descriptions seem to say there is a positive charge that it brings. A lot of times when joy is mentioned in the Bible, it also says, I had joy and it produced gladness. So I have an emotional rush that can happen. It doesn't have to happen, but it can happen. From the inside out, it can produce positive charges. It can include exhilaration. Next week and the week after, we're going to talk about how you express it and you, throw, you kind of throw a fuel on the fire of joy by shouting it and by stating it. By articulating it. Worship has a lot to do with that. It can be expressed externally. And God says he wants you to pursue joy. He wants your joy to be made full. There are ways to do that. So there are some distinctives about this thing, this joy thing. And we want to see what the Bible says about it. Okay, the first thing that I, I, we see when we kind of open the pages of the Bible and say, all right, so there, it exists, that's good. If I don't have it and it exists, where is it found? How do I get it? How do I pursue it? One of the distinctions is that the source, of the thing that causes, that triggers the flashpoint for joy in a person, it's, it's found in this phrase, it's joy in the Lord. Now, we say that is almost like poetry. Oh, there's joy in the Lord, joy in the Lord. The Bible says phrases about it all the time. Here are just, a, again, a sample of them. It says, read Psalm uh, 32, 11, Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Let the righteous rejoice in the Lord. Re, uh, so, uh, Psalm 64, 10 says, Psalm 97, 12, Rejoice in the Lord, you who are righteous. We'll show you later, Philippians says, Rejoice in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. But rejoice in the Lord. Well, what's that mean? Does that mean rejoice in him, there's actually, in the Greek, there's this phrase that means that it's, the preposition there doesn't mean that you go 
you, you don't go, it's not just in his presence. It's, it's talking about it's in the realm of his world. In connection with him. In his sphere, it talks about. So it's in contrast to joy being found in your circumstances. You don't get joy because your football team won. You can have some happiness. You don't get joy from it. You don't get joy in your job. You don't get joy in your spouse. You don't get joy even in your children. Though a lot of us would say we find some. This joy, the source of this is it's in the realm of God and his kingdom. In the realm of what he's doing, the agenda of God going on. And that's why when we, we looked at that definition, it says that it is the celebration of the advance of God's stuff. God's agenda advances. And when I see it and I recognize it and I'm part of it, there's, there's good feelings, good, good state that comes from it. There's celebration that, that can be caused by it. The advance of God's kingdom happens. It means that, that we look at the circumstances around us, but we know that behind it, there's a plan in act. And every time I see that the plan is, is, is being enacted in a small way, it's God's stuff. It's in the Lord that that's happening. God has an agenda for the world. He has a provision for people. He has protection for people. There's His presence, wherever His presence is, where He's doing right stuff, good stuff. When He's transforming people, all of that is always going on, God says. It's happening all the time. My source of rejoicing is to move and to say, in the Lord, there's something that's true about myself, my world, and God. And it gives cause for celebration to see it advance. And that's why you see phrases that get used in Scripture about rejoicing because I'm in His presence. So Psalm 21, 6, Surely you've granted Him eternal blessings, made Him glad with the joy of your presence. I'm celebrating that there's God, that in the Lord there is, there's a God thing happening. And it's advancing all the time. His presence is there. In Psalm 96, 10 and 11, it says that the Lord... He reigns over all. We sing about this. He is in charge. He is superintending over everything that's happening in the world. And because of that, because it's in the Lord that that's happening, let the heavens rejoice. A couple of verses later, it says, let the people rejoice. Enter into joy because of it. I'm gonna, if you've got Psalm 16 handy, you can just look and read a couple of verses from Psalm 16, verse 7. Now listen to this. I, I'm going to praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. So God's with me through that. I've set the Lord always uh, before me. Because he's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. And therefore, all right, because I'm in the Lord, I'm f- my life is functioning in his presence and aware of the fact that he's doing good things and right things around me. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also rests secure. I can rest in that because I know it's there. Because I know something. I know something that's behind the scenes here. You, have not aban- you will not abandon me to the grave. This was said about Jesus, by the way. Nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. Do you see what he's saying right there? God, you've made, you, there's something that's already known. There's a path to life that you're about. In the Lord, there's something happening. And you've made known to me that it's there. And I'm secure there. There's something that cannot be taken away from me about where my life is going. And that is that you're there and you're going somewhere with it, it's secure. You've made known to me the path of life. Then it says, you will fill me with joy in your presence. Because all that's happening, you fill me with joy. Psalm 30, uh, 
puts it this way in Psalm verses 5 and 11. Weeping happens. Weeping it can last, and it can last for a night. But rejoicing, entering into joy, can, follows. It comes in the morning. You, God, turn my wailing into dancing. You remove my sackcloth, which is gr- grieving garments, and you clothe me with joy. What that means is, when you woke up this morning, there was something that was true. When I woke up, there was something that was true about today. Today may feel like a crazy day. The weather may not cooperate. Things may not be good. There may be disease in my world. There may be heartache in my path. But there's something about today that today belongs to one who reigns over it. Today and everything in it is under the dominion of the Most High God of all, who is on the throne of the, of the universe and of my life. And because in the Lord, I, there, is, there are things that are absolutely iron, ironclad true. It gives me cause to enter into that and say, you know what, I'm all right. Because there's somebody who knows where this is going, somebody in charge of this. And so because of that, I can respond with an internal celebration of that fact. When I internally celebrate that, that is joy. So, so the Psalms put it this way. This is the day that the Lord has made. The Lord made it. So what do we do? Let's enter into joy. Let's, let us rejoice and be glad in it. I have a, a good friend, some of you have met, prayed for our church when we moved in this building. His name is Sam. He is now 94 years old. Swam laps until about six months ago every day. And Sam loves Jesus and has buried most of his friends and his wife. And he's just still kicking. And when I see Sam, I occasionally ask him the question. And you know how people say cliches when you ask him, how are you doing? How's your day? Hope you had, have you had a good day. I ask that, but he answers in a way, he uses the same words, but I know that it's not a cliche. I go, Sam, how, how's it been going? Is it having a good day? And Sam says, he says, Tom, I'm 94 years old. Any day I wake up is a good day. And he means it. Because he recognizes today is a day that has been made. And so he can have a sense of celebrating the advance of God's kingdom, God's agenda in his life. There is cause for rejoicing in the Lord. And and so we see snapshots of the fact that God is doing something in our world. He's moving. And when we see it, we look beyond the circumstance But we say there's evidence of the fact that God is in control. God knows where he's going. He has the end of this thing in mind. So you see a whole bunch of verses that say we have joy because of this. We have joy for this is true. Here's just a handful of them. 1 Chronicles 16.33. I have joy for he comes to judge the earth. What that means is that there's a God who's going to make things right. He's coming to judge the earth. And that gives me joy. Why? The kingdom, the agenda of of God is advancing. And I celebrate that fact. I have joy, Psalm 67, 4, for you rule the peoples justly. Isaiah 12, 6, I have joy for great is the, the Holy One of Israel. Isaiah 49, 13 says, I have joy for this reason, for the Lord comforts His people and it will have compassion on the afflicted. Psalm 33, 21, I, I have joy, we have joy because for we trust in His holy name. Now it doesn't mean, so, so entering into joy doesn't mean it's devoid of all emotion. 
There's, like we said, there's a whole lot of times when by entering into joy, it has an effect on you. It gives, it gives you a sense of rest and peace. And then you say, you know what? I feel okay about life. I have a little bit of a rush of emotion. It's just not dependent on emotion. There's a reality and then the emotion follows as opposed to the emotion and then trying to deal with reality or depend on reality. Joy doesn't, entering into joy is, does not require that there's no pain going on. The Bible seems to indicate that I can choose to go into joy even in the midst of pain. That's really hard for me. But it says, it, it seems to describe that, that things don't always have to be lined up. Things, the sun doesn't always have to be out. It said that for people who are farmers, farmers rejoice about all four seasons. They realize there are, there are times when the wind is howling and the rain is pouring down or the snow is blanketing the ground, and they're glad because they see the bigger picture. If we didn't have that, if it was sunny and dry all the time, we would not be able to produce. They rejoice at all four seasons. And it was said of Jesus in Hebrews 12 too, when he went to the cross, it was for the joy that was set before him. That Jesus endured the cross, and while he endured the cross, he scorned, he despised its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So you can so my joy doesn't depend on not having pain. But it also understand, it's also not just the power of being positive, spin doctrine. Joy is not just living in denial. It's not just saying, oh, I'm happy. Oh, I'm okay. Everything's good. I'm just going to act like nothing bothers me. No, no, you, things bother you. Things bothered you. When Jesus went to the cross, he wasn't singing. He was despising it. It, it doesn't, you don't, we don't have to act like it's going to be happy so that it'll be happy. I was reading a, a story from um, uh, Kay Warren who wrote a book called Choose Joy Because Happiness Isn't Enough. And she said she saw, she saw a guy who was playing um, blackjack table. And he, he definitely had a plan about it. And she, she said that he was going to, um, he, he, kept tell, he was, he was going to do this through positive thinking and create a positive outcome. So he told himself, and he was doing this out loud at the blackjack table, that this was his lucky day. This was his lucky day. This was his lucky day. How's he doing? He's great. This is positive because it's his lucky day. He was, and he kept saying, you are the man. You are the man. He kept saying it to himself. You are the man. At the blackjack table, he said over and over again, today's the day we strike it rich. Over and over again. Strike it rich. Strike it rich. Strike it rich. And she watched him with, in, where he worked up this frenzy of, of what he thought was a joyous, positive spirit, and he lost $20,000 at the blackjack table. There's not necessarily a correlation between, there's no secret positive energy and you get positive things to come to you. Joy is independent from those kinds of things. You can... You can rejoice in the middle of your tears. Because think of that definition again. Rejoice in the middle of your tears. I, I am celebrating internally that something is true, that God's agenda is advancing. Today, what's happening here is another step toward something that has been planned, something that is guaranteed to be good. So it hurts but I can know that the kingdom of God is still advancing. Now, I'm gonna, if you want to turn with me, you can look at one passage. This is in the New Testament, in 1 Peter chapter 1. This says it pretty, pretty clearly, I think. 
And I'd like to ask you to insert, this is what I did this week. I tried to insert myself into this little section of Scripture. To say this is not just talking about people in general. Can this talk about me? Imagine that this was being written directly to you as a follower of Jesus Christ or somebody who's considering it. 1 Peter 1, verse 3. Give praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because in His mercy He's given us new birth and a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. Okay, get it? He's, he's done a couple things for you already. He's loved you. He sacrificed himself for you. He's given you a new hope and a new life. He's also establishing what the end result will be. That there is going to be an inheritance laid up for you. That It's not going to spoil or fade. Those things are true. Got that? It's kept in heaven for you. Who, meanwhile, right now, through faith, are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time. So even in the midst of the journey toward that end, there's something that's true in your life right now. Tom, there's something true in your life. There's a shield around you. You may take some hits. You may take some shots. You may feel some real intense stuff, but there's a shield that's covering you. This is one of the provisions of of the kingdom of God. So you've got something that's been done for you, something that's reserved for your future, and right now there's a shield around you. You got all that, Tom? You understand that that's true at this very moment? Your future is secure. Your present is shielded. Okay, now... Then he goes on to say the part that I don't want to hear. In this, it says, you greatly rejoice. See that? You rejoice, greatly rejoice. What do you do? You're celebrating the advance of God's agenda in your life, the provisions of him, things that are happening that he's doing in your life. Though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Circumstances are coming in. The circumstances are going. They're threatening me. They're costing me. There's a shield around me, but I still feel some pain. Even in the midst of that, he's going to explain, look, the agenda of God is still advancing through that. How's that happening? These things, verse 7, these things have come so that your faith, which is of greater worth than gold, gold perishes even though refined by fire, your faith may be proved genuine and it may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Even, there's something, there's an agenda of God going on in my life, even through the hard things. So when the, if I look past the circumstances of it, there is something that's ironclad, absolutely true. That the God who made me and loves me and is in control, He's accomplishing an agenda right now at this very moment. He's, he's building and strengthening my faith. He's purifying me toward the end of where, where I'm going to live forever. Now look at verse 8. Though you've not seen him, you love him. Talking about Jesus. I want that to be true of me. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And look what it says happens. And you're filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. There's something happening even right now. I'm receiving there's, there's something true happening on the journey right now. That this shield that's around me is protecting something and all the things that are going on in my world, it's like Romans 8 says, the ones he shows he is, he's building in, he's doing things for my good, they're all there to accomplish God's agenda in my life. And because of that, I have reason to have an inexpressible amount of joy. I can have rest in that. I can trust in that. Know, knowing that the ultimate plan is intact. That's why Psalm 33 says what it does right here. In him, 
our hearts rejoice, for we trust in His holy name. We focus on the fact that there's a kingdom advancing. Now, I'm giving you a lot here, but here's where I want to kind of penetrate to where I live. Talk about how this applies. And next week we're going to unpack a little bit more about the practicalities of this. Here's, based on all that, there's some stuff that we know is true. Again, look at the de- that, this working definition. Hopefully you can do it in such a way to ask yourself, is, can I do that? Can I internally celebrate the advance of God's agenda? Here, here's, if, that, if that's what it is, and that's what, what we've been offered, here's what we know is true about it. That joy is a, a heart state that we choose to enter into. You don't search for it hoping that th- you can arrange things to make them right so that you can have joy. I would have joy if this would change or that would change or that person would come through or circumstances would be affected. God, change my world so that I can have joy. No, God says you choose joy right now because what you're choosing to believe in is absolutely true right now. That's why in Philippians, it says commands to rejoice. So it says in Philippians 3.1, I think we have that. Finally, my brothers, this is a command in the original. Rejoice in the Lord. Enter into joy. In Philippians 4.4, he says it a couple times to reinforce it. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Enter into joy. Choose joy. Henry Nouwen, who is um, an author who I quote a lot, but I hardly understand because he's so deep, says, joy does not simply happen to us. We have to choose joy and keep choosing it every day. Now, let me say a word to all the Eeyores out here or over here. There are a whole lot of us. I'm going to put myself in this category. We call ourselves realists. Others call us pessimists. There are a whole lot of us who walk around frustrated and and angry a lot. And I need to say something to you, and I need to say it to myself. The reason that happens is not because there's something wrong with the world. The reason that happens is because there's something wrong with my heart. There's something I'm choosing in my heart. I almost Sometimes I feel like I take great delight in being negative because I can control that. I've got excuses for, not, for, for things not happening the way they are. There's a, a comedian, Bertrand Russell, who said, men who are unhappy, like men who sleep badly, are always proud of the fact. Stop and think about that. You only got two hours of sleep. You know, I had a terrible sleeping. Like we wear it like it's a badge. I'm proud. Yeah. I got less sleep than you. Whoa. I got three hours. I got two hours. I got two hours. I got one hour. People who are unhappy tend to be walk around like we're proud of the fact. They're curmudgeonness about us. We're negative. There are people who are no people, negatively charged people. You know what? There's some of us in the room, some of us in the room. You're a fault finder. And you're good at it. Because you can find fault with just about any situation or any person or any relationship. You know what that reveals? It reveals a control issue in your heart. Talking to myself. A demand that things have to be lined up the way I think they should be lined up in order for me to be okay. That my world has to go a certain way. You know what? There's something that's hard for me to understand that the most holy 
being in the universe, God Almighty is okay with things, not all the ducks not being in a row. He's okay with it. Oh, he's going somewhere. He's going to remedy that, but he's sure taking his sweet time. And it's never as fast as I want it to be. But you know what? He's okay with it right now. He's working. He's active. I'm the one who's not okay with it. I'm the one who doesn't want to accept you not being everything I want you to be yet. Or people failing me or people frustrating me or my circumstances not lining up. It's a heart issue. It's an identity issue. Some of us have based our identity on being people who always find something wrong. Is that you? What kind of surgery could you begin to invite God to do? This is a question I'm asking in my life. What kind of surgery could I invite him to do that would say, expose what's wrong in my heart, that I refuse to look beyond those things. I, I, may, I refuse to give up my demand that my world cooperates in order for me to say, you know what, I can relax now. I can't relax because it's not done. It's not all right. And God says, it is all right. Come back and look at what it means to be in the Lord. It's all right. When you woke up this morning, everything that needs to be all right in your life is all right. No, no, because my world's not, there's things I'm, I'm feeling pain. God says, all right, let me ask you this question. Are you loved by me? Yeah. Are you secure in me? Yeah. Have you been given provision by me? Yes. Are you going to be eternally cared for by me? Do you know where, are you secure? Okay, okay. You know what, Tom? Everything's all right in the Lord. Everything that needs to be ultimately all right is absolutely secure. Can you be okay with that? Can you celebrate that? And if you do, it gives you strength to move toward the things that aren't very all right at the moment. You know, second, here's just one small example. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, I've lost all my... I don't know where I am today. So I'm going to read off the thing. 2 Corinthians 8, 2. It's talking about a, a group of followers of Jesus who were suffering, and it says, and, but they still gave. They were still were helping other churches. It says, out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Isn't that funny? Two things were going on there. In the Lord, they had overwhelming joy. Oh, externally, they had extreme poverty. But those things welled up together, and what happened was it turned into rich generosity. It changed the way they were, they were walking through their world and their life. Here, okay, so, so it's a heart issue. Here's, here's the thing, other thing about that I'm discovering about joy. It is a sustainable state if I continue to choose it. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says... Be joyful always. That does not mean walk around singing happy, happy songs. It doesn't mean you enjoy all your circumstances. What it means is you enter into a celebration of the fact that at this very moment, every moment, to this moment, and the next moment, and the next moment, at that moment, the kingdom of God is advancing. The agenda of God is intact. And I can celebrate the fact that underneath all this, in fact, sometimes the contrast is so great to say, isn't it amazing that life can suck so bad right now and God still knows I still am okay. I know where I'm going. I used to, when, when my wife and I first started dating and she had a bunch of guys after her. I mean, there's like half the campus was going after her. It was crazy. I, I didn't stand a chance, man. 
except for my dashing good looks and my winning personality. She had so many guys who were after her. And there were times when I told, when we would, I'd make arrangements with her and she had four other dates coming up and stuff like that. But there was there were a couple of times where I said, I'll meet you at the place and, and you want to go out afterwards. And she said, yes, you happen to be available. And we'd go to this social event and the guys are just hawks. I mean, they were like all over her. And, and it wasn't necessarily I was going to hang with her the whole time. And she's getting flirted with and hit on and all this kind of stuff. And I'd be like all panicky. That, that guy's better looking than me. That guy's more accomplished than me. That guy's smarter than me. That guy's got more money than me. I, I am, I'm toast. There's no way. I can't compete. And every now and then, I remember I have this distinct feeling that said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know who she's leaving with. They can knock themselves out. But I know how this ends. When she walks out the door, she's walking out with me. I'm good. I'm good. And then I'd almost play it. Hey, guy. Oh, hey, I walk up his son. How are you guys doing? Having a good night? Marcia, ready to go? <laughs> Joy. The Bible has a word for that, believe it or not. <laughs> the Bible call, calls that a sure hope. That you and I are given an absolute sure hope. Look at, look at Romans chapter 5. This is a great passage. Romans 5. We now rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. The glory of God is going to be revealed. We get to be part of that. Not only so, but we also rejoice even in the midst of our sufferings because we know that even the stuff we're going through, suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. There is a sure hope of where this is going. And when I focus on that, I can enter into rejoicing. Romans 12, 12 puts it this way later in that same letter. Be joyful in the hope. Because you know that the agenda of God is intact and everything is going to be exactly as he intended it to be, you can rejoice, you can be joyful in the midst of that hope. How do you ignite that? How do you enter into that? What you do is you learn, you train, you, we, we need to train our hearts, I'm going to put it this way, to see behind and beyond our circumstances. You see the circumstances, you don't deny them. You don't, like, don't even have to like them. But look beyond them and look behind them. If all you look at are the circumstances, it looks like things are hopeless. It looks like there's nothing worth celebrating. But if you look behind it, you get to see some, the man behind the curtain. You get to see that there's somebody beyond, behind there that's actually working this toward another plan. It's not on the externals. So you look behind it and you look beyond it to the guaranteed end, the guaranteed plan. You say, okay, I, I can see the circumstances in front of me, but I know, I absolutely know how this ends. I know. This ends with Jesus Christ being the Lord of all. This ends with me having an eternal place with Him. This ends with my heart and my character resembling Him. I know that. I'm looking behind the circumstance. I'm looking beyond it. I'm looking ahead several steps to the sure hope that's there. See, I know that I've already won. You know, if you're in Jesus Christ, you know you've already won. You know it. And that can change how you see the next move. 
One of my favorite movies, this is one of the few movies that gets 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's an old classic. It's called Searching for Bobby Fischer. Searching for Bobby Fischer is Academy Award nominated. And it is a, it's about, um, it, it follows a, a true story. And the true story is of, of a child prodigy who, um, his name is Joshua Waitskin. And in 1986, he was in the um, U.S. primary championships of chess. And he was just fantastic in this game. And he was, a, he was, I think he was 10 years old at the time or maybe less than that. He was in the under 10 competition, I think. And he was, uh, his family hired an instructor, Bruce Pandolfini, who worked with him. And, and he, he taught him to look not just at the board, but to look beyond the board. In fact, one of his techniques that you're going to see in this clip we're going to show you is a flashback where he says, here, let me help you. And he clears all the pieces off the board and says, now, don't look at the pieces. Just concentrate on where the end is going. See what isn't there. See behind it. See, if you're going to hear him say, it's there. It's 12 moves away, but it's there. And when he does, it influences his perspective on the situation he's in. And this is based on a true story and a true happening. Let's take a look. It's several minutes long, but I think it's worth it. Take a look. It is uh, 12 moves away. It's there. Don't move till you see it. Don't react till you see it. I can't see it. It's 12 moves away, but it's there. There is, there is always, at every given moment in my world, something that is absolutely, entirely, unequivocally true. That the God who I have decided to follow, the God who loves me and gave his son for me, the God who has adopted me into his family and has promised me that he has a future and a hope for me, that the God who has told me that I have an eternal destiny guaranteed with him and I am protected by a shield of his salvation from now till then, that that God is always, always advancing that agenda in my world. At every given moment, in every given circumstance, I don't see it. It's there. It's 12 moves away. Don't react until you see it. Joy is a choice I make. It's a choice we make to see beyond those circumstances, to bring my heart into the heart of God and to say, my trust is in you and this is going to end well. Everything is okay. I rest in that. I find security in that. And I rejoice in that. Can you see it? Right now. Right now where, where you're living. Right now in the circumstance you're dealing with. Right now with the hassles you're facing. Or the frustrations or the pain or the heartache. The devastation. The uncertainty. With all that that's going on in your world. Like that, this is very moment. Can you see it? It's 12 moves away, but it's there. When you see it, it changes your whole perspective. You can enter into, you can celebrate the advance of God's agenda and joy fills you. I'm saying this as much to me as you. And next week, come back next week. We're going to unpack how we can fan that into flame and see it become more important and, and, and more gripping in our lives. But for now, 
I'll just invite you to take the first step and to do what Scripture says. Rejoice. Enter into joy in the Lord. I'll say it again. Rejoice.